cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, December 21st, 2023. This is episode number 520 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Alana Boyajian, Matt McDaniel, Semplis, Evan Barnett, Marcus Kyler, and the Yeet crew. <laughs> oh, there they are. Coming in strong. Alpha Sierra, Billy DP. DJ B said, giving away my secrets about this delicious cup of coffee. And you, we will all be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my opinion and uh, informed, maybe uh, some might even argue expert thoughts on that story, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it? How can you leverage it to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break in the industry, believe me, you are going to be asked in any single cybersecurity job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? The Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief is a phenomenal answer to that question. So listen up, get all the information you need, socialize and network with each other, and let's have a great show. Before we get into it, though, let me say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Panopsi Security. Panopsi, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Panopsi Security can come in and basically operate left of boom, which means they can help you with enterprise risk assessments, tabletop exercises, getting your sorted, your stuff sorted out, talking to the business, literally saying the same thing you've been saying for a month, except they say it like this and your business is like, oh, all right, let's do that. So Panopsi Security, professional services, a wonderful company. If you need their help, panopsi.com can definitely help you. Links in the description below. Also, shout out, love to Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training, if you guys don't know about Anti-Siphon Training, you definitely want to. They are disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by offering high-quality, cutting-edge, taught by wicked good instructors, cybersecurity training at, with, with um, regardless of financial position to students, i.e. pay what you can. You can get excellent, excellent training for $0 in 2024 if that's what your situation warrants. John Strand, the man behind Black Hills Information Security and Anti-Siphon Training, is a just a phenomenal individual in the community. And he wants to make sure that uh, he's, you know, like cutting edge training, excellent training isn't get pay gated, basically. So go use the link in the description below. Go to the training page. We're looking at it right here. Pay what you can training. I'm telling you right now, in 
the month of January, John Strand is offering this active defense and cyber deception course uh, that last week in January. And then the first week in February, so hot on the heels of that training, he's offering SOC core skills, which is, where is it? Right here, SOC core skills. Both of those four-day training, so eight days in total, you can get for zero dollars, all right? Don't miss this opportunity. It is a phenomenal. I've, I've personally taken active defense cyber deception. I have a complete review of the course on my YouTube channel, Simply Cyber. So uh, if you want to see what it is, go for it. But I'm telling you right now, it's, it's definitely worth your time. All right, guys. Just so you all know, I do not prepare or research any of these stories that we're about to do uh, in advance. So you are getting my rough, rugged, raw first initial impressions, which sometimes gets a little spicy. Also, I want you to know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth one half of a CPE. So if you need continuing professional education credits, stack these babies up. Two and a half a week, 10 a month. Say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team SC. If you're a member of the Simply Cyber community, hashtag Team SC in chat or in the comments if you're watching on replay. We do love the replay team. Also, shout out to the uh, Team Replay member slash Team SC member who pointed out that yesterday uh, it took me 13 minutes to get into the news story. Worldwide Wednesdays are a bit long, but I hear you. I actually thought about it before I went to bed last night. I woke up with it as the first thing on my mind. I will be more mindful of um, scuttling through the opening intros. You know, I say all the things I say every day, but I will be a little bit more uh, cognizant of time and trying to get into the stories quicker. Uh, so thank you. And just know that I read all the comments, guys, and I do uh, take them into consideration because I'm a member of the team of the Simply Cyber community as well. I'm not just the host. I'm also a member. All right, guys. Um, if it's your first time here in chat, hashtag first timer. We've got a, a, a special emote for you first timers and we have a special sound effect for you first timers. So if it's your first episode in chat, hashtag first timer, let us hear you. All right, guys, keeping with what I said, let's, uh, let's get to work. Have a good one. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. Reminder, today is Thursday, which means it's Dan Reardon, aka Haircut Fish. What's your meme Thursday? And we've got a great one, very seasonal. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. All right, let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. Thursday, <laughs> I'm Rich Straffolino. Black Cat came back. A coordinated law enforcement action earlier this month took the Tor site and some of the infrastructure for this ransomware group, also known as ALF-V, offline. Initially, the group claimed a hardware failure caused the outage. Now, the group claims it's unseized the site, although it only appears that they've assigned their .onion address to a new server. Black Cat also set up a new leak site, as well as announced it would broaden its scope of potential victims. In an attempt to slow any affiliate exodus, the group also announced a higher ransom percentage payout and isolated data centers for VIP affiliates. All right, a couple things here. First off, hey, Pamela Vasquez, welcome to the party, pal. And all you other first-timers who I may have missed, uh, shout out to all of you. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, guys. So the Black Cat, uh, first of all, way to go, CISO Series. I'm happy to see that this is the first story. 
<clears throat> we covered this yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure if Eric Taylor ended up running that uh, just in time podcast around what we know right now, but stay tuned for that if he does. Here's the deal. Black Cat, Alfie, law enforcement uh, took him down. We we took a victory lap, right? We took a victory lap and, you know, rightly so. Black Cat, Alfie, I have said, I have said for months, I, I'm on the record, they are a tier one threat actor group. Like they are not state sponsored, but they are run like a enterprise and they probably have like quarterly metrics they have to hit and, and stuff like that. Very professional organization. Their, 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 their product is crime, which is the problem, but they, they run it like a business. Now law enforcement took their site down and uh, they were actually having some problems last week, if you recall, and they were saying, Oh no, it's backend infrastructure things. You know, like we just have, you know, IT problems, just like everybody else. And in reality, it sounds like it was a bit of a cat and mouse game of law enforcement um, degrading their uh, operations to the point where they were down, but didn't have the official DNS pointing to the law enforcement takedown page. So Black Hat, hey, you know what, guys? Uh, again, I don't condone or support cybercrime, but I do, you know, Game recognizes game. I think I'm using that right. I'm not 100% sure, but I think I'm using that right. Like, I respect how they run their operation. They they clearly have somebody manning or womaning the helm of cybersecurity because you know what they did? They have business continuity plans in place. They had essentially like a warm site. They have infrastructure to support VIP affiliates and continue offering that. They also, they say they unseized um, that is inaccurate. I don't know if that's broken from translation into English because uh, they are a Russian uh, native speaking Russian threat actor group. But you don't unseize a site. They stood up a new site. That's that's not unseizing. That's that's business continuity. Unseizing is taking it back from law enforcement. So that's a little bit of a misunderstanding. The um, the TLDR here is I, I would argue that law enforcement knows who the humans are, like the the actual individuals who are behind this. And um, they're operating in basically a protected area, right? There's a lot, a lot of reasons these individuals operate out of Eastern Europe is because they have top cover from the Russian government. Um, if they don't attack, you'll, you'll notice, you don't see a lot of stories of Russian businesses getting ransomware. There's a reason, right? So it's very difficult to uproot these humans out of, out of their spaces uh, to get them. But given the sheer volume of how large the task force is that is driving uh, this this initiative, this case, if you will. Um, I have no, I have no con question that they're going to continue. Like basically, the the cat. Oh my God, Jerry, the cat's out of the bag. Pun not intended. The cat's out of the bag on this one, and now it's just, you know, put your put your head down and grind away, law enforcement. So uh, I appreciate that they're out there doing it. The final thing I'll say that you need to know about this one is that Black Cat had had bans in place, bans in place on um, not attacking, you know, critical infrastructure. And really, it was in their best interest because Black Cat, uh, some, some people may or may not know this, but Black Cat used to be Dark Side Threat Actor Group, okay? Dark Side is the one that took out Colonial Pipeline. Now, that was a couple of years ago. And if, if you remember in the United States, Colonial Pipeline was like the Eastern major uh, pipeline that delivers 
petroleum products or oil. Um, and their IT operations got compromised by dark side. And people in the US were losing their mind. People were filling up like trash bags with gasoline and stuff, which is so stupid. Um, but the response from the US federal government was swift. And it's one of the only times I've ever seen um, this swift a response where they were able to actually get the money back from the wallets and stuff, which never happens. So um, Darkseid disbanded like immediately and then they resurfaced as Black Cat. So the, the, the humans behind this, they know what happens if you touch critical infrastructure in the US. You basically are kicking over a fire ant hill. If you've ever dealt with fire ants, it's not something you want to stick your foot in. So them taking the, uh, so here's my thoughts on this, them taking the, the bans off of allowing affiliates to attack critical infrastructure. It's kind of, honestly, it's like a petulant um, response to being taken down by law enforcement. Like, dude, you're a criminal. This is part of what you signed up for. So my final thought is if they do enable people to go after critical infrastructure, the second, I said this in mod chat, the second they take down something like an energy company in Texas or they poison some water uh, treatment plant or something like that. The second that happens, again, I, I'm not trying to be dark or, or macabre or anything, but like I would think that the United States would respond with like a Jason Bourne level response. Like you're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna just be like, oh, you got it. Like it will be clandestine. It will be black ops. It will be. That's just my theory. We'll never really hear about it because it's not like they have like a, a, a journalist rolling with them when they do these operations. But um, like basically when you escalate something, it, the, the U.S. federal government, we have a very capable intelligence capability, right? Like we have the NSA. We have intel all over the place. We know we know where these humans are. Okay, that, that's all I'm going to say. Again, I'm not trying to be morbid or dark or anything. I'm just saying when you escalate to a certain point and it becomes a priority to people in power, they will take action to resolve that issue. Child abuse images found in AI datasets. The Stanford Internet Observatory published findings that the popular open source image dataset Lazon 5B contains over a thousand instances of child sexual abuse material or CSAM. The maintainers of the data set took them down while investigating the findings, saying they hold a zero tolerance policy for illegal content. Stability AI and many other AI startups use that data set for training models. It's hard to know how widespread these issues go as many LLM models use private data sets. Okay, so CSAM material is absolutely uh, deplorable. But here's my thing. The second I hear this story... How about we use AI to find that material, not accidentally consume it into training data? How about we use it to find the, that data and then do something about it? Delete it, find the people who own it and arrest them and throw them in a dark you know, cell. Like to me, like I feel like we're missing, the, we're burying the headline here. We have the ability to find uh, CSAM with AI. Let's go. Like simple, straightforward, end of story. Um, from a business perspective, I will say, be careful. Um, if you are a business, right? Like you're, oh, we're the next AI startup, rah, right? Like if that's your jam, 
you should be mindful of what data you are consuming in your training models. This is much more into data science and AI, not really cybersecurity. But from, from a integrity perspective, um, you really want to make sure that the data you're training on is what data is appropriate, right? It, like CCM aside, just like is what you're training on the what you need to train on, period, right? So be mindful of that. Second of all, um, we see this all the time. I'm trying to get my Christmas on back here. We see this all the time in our in our world, okay, from a cybersecurity perspective. The business, by the way, this is like uh, facts, okay? Like what I'm about to tell you is just facts. You won't read this in a textbook or anywhere or hear this in a classroom ever. The business, they get all frothed up and geeked up about new features, new functionality, new capability. Oh man, next gen, whatever, Ooh, okay? And all they need to do to like realize the potential of whatever this magic, you know, bobble is that, you know, MacGuffin that they found is take all their data and put it in there and then push the magic red button and then they get insights or whatever. You can't just stick all the data into a cloud system and push a magic red button. The business wants to do that, but you and I as cyber professionals, like what data needs to go in there so we don't put data we don't need to put in there? Who on the vendor side gets to see that data? More importantly, when you're done pushing the magic red button, what happens to that data afterwards? Does the vendor purge it from their data set? Do they write in their little EULA that they get to use that data and train their own AI models on that data? So like basically, you're just shoving your all your sensitive and you know proprietary data into a cloud vendor and giving it to them for like you're probably paying them to take your data, right? You're going to get some value back from them by hitting the magic red button. But my point is the business goes YOLO all the time with shoving all the data up there. And if you're doing, like in my case, it was protected health information. Like if, if you're sticking sensitive information that has regulatory conditions on how it's handled and the business is just going bananas over there, you're putting yourself in a very bad situation long-term when that vendor gets breached. And then it comes out that like all your data was there. And then your customers, your clients, your patients, data gets compromised and then you look like a jack wagon because you're like, oh, maybe I should have, uh, maybe I shouldn't have put that data there, right? Okay, that's what's up with that. Uh, just like a little fun fact on, uh, uh, on the side. ESO solutions breach impacts millions. ESO provides software oh. used by healthcare and emergency services. There we go, thanks. In late October, it discovered a ransomware attack that occurred on September 28th, resulting in data exfiltration impacting 2.7 million patients. Data exposed includes treatments, names, birth dates, diagnoses, and social security numbers. ESO notified the FBI and has notified all impacted customers as of December 12th. The attack impacted at least 15 hospitals and medical centers. The company found no evidence of data misuse and offered impacted patients 12 months of credit monitoring. No ransomware organization listed ESO on a leak site, at least yet. All right. Like literally, again, I don't research these stories or know what they're what's coming. So like my example of healthcare data, uh, like, thank you, leads perfectly into the story. All right, guys, here's the deal. Healthcare company owns a bunch, like in the United States, if you guys haven't been paying attention, and I, I know many of you have been, but for those who haven't, in the United States, there's basically been this like slow moving consolidation of healthcare businesses 
into healthcare systems, into like major conglomerate monopoly type healthcare businesses, right? Like think of like in the movie Terminator 2, when the um, the liquid metal guy is in the foundry and he gets frozen and it explodes. And then the foundry heats up his little metal and his metal starts pooling back together until he forms like his crazy um, killer robot form. Like that's what's going on in the United States. So when you see something like this, yeah, it, it, it might be like, oh, wow, the hackers hacked everybody. But no, they just hacked one company. The company just owned Mississippi Baptist Medical Center and Community Health System, Merit Health Biloxi. These are all like under one umbrella. That's what's going on. Okay. Now, they say, well, you get your token one year of uh, identity theft protection. Thanks. You know, I'll throw it on the tire fire of identity theft protections I have already going simultaneously. Some, so there's that. Second of all, all this information here, it's a bad look for the healthcare system. But in reality, um, what actually is going to be happening, in my opinion, is that this data is going to be resold on the dark web uh, to threat actors who are going to be doing scams. Uh, I mean, how? I mean, dude, it's trivial. It's trivial to find um, somebody in this pile of data, right? Date of birth, okay? Sort by age. So you're targeting only the oldest people. Call their phone number, address them by their full name, tell them you're calling from the insurance company regarding this diagnosis or this treatment on this date, and that they have an outstanding uh, balance due, and you're gonna, um, you're going to, um, what's it called? Repossess their home if they don't pay, and they can get on a payment plan of fifty bucks a month, or they can they can go get. $5,000 in Best Buy gift cards right now. That's what this is going to be used. You can see, I mean, it's freaking tailor-made. This is a tailor-made playbook on how to fish somebody individually for financial gain. So just bundle this up, ask ChatGPT to give you a script, and then sell it as a complete solution on the dark web. I, I hate that it's this obvious and this easy. And there's nothing that, there's nothing ESO solutions can do. Because a year of identity theft protection isn't going to stop some scumbag from calling your Aunt Donna and convincing her that her medical procedure is like is has outstanding debt and they're going to repossess her car, repossess her house, cancel her health insurance, kick her out of the retirement home she's in, like whatever. I'm not even anything. I'm, I'm a conformist, guys. I'm not anything special. And I just came up with that in like five seconds on the fly. So I'm sure the threat actors that are actually thinking about committing crime all the time it are um, coming up with more clever solutions. Anyways, I don't want to say, I hate to throw shade on healthcare ESO because I'd love to know, I'd love to know. Um, oh, by the way, they I, I made a slight mistake. I don't know if someone pointed this out in chat. This is a company that sells software products to healthcare organizations. I got mixed up. I thought they were a healthcare provider. Still, now it's still the same. The impact of what I just said doesn't change. It's the same issue. It's just um, the healthcare providers like this Biloxi one, that kind of sucks. They, Mississippi Baptist Medical Center has to call and tell their patients that they've been impacted through no fault of their own. It was this software uh, provider. I don't know how it happened. Hopefully they have a uh, multi-factor authentication in place. Does it say anything? No, it doesn't say how they got attacked. Ugh. 
Gross. NSA releases 2023 Cybersecurity Year in Review. Forget Spotify ramped, the NSA's report details its efforts to better secure government agencies and the defense industrial base. The NSA blocked over 10 billion user connections to known suspicious or malicious domains in the year and flagged over 1.3 million security defects in its vulnerability scanning program. It also saw a 400% increase in adoption of its no-cost security services to DOD contractors, which has now enrolled over 600 organizations. The agency also disclosed it tracks roughly 70 unique state-sponsored activity clusters. All right. So NSA. I really like how the NSA has rebranded themselves in the last 20 years from being called no such agency and having analysts like refuse to speak about working at the NSA to like they offer no cost services to <laughs> to government contractors. Um, cool. Uh, way to go, NSA. I guess the TLDR here that I didn't know, I mean, there's a lot of like information and interesting nuggets to uh, pull out of here, but I had no idea that if you were a government contractor, like you're a small business, like if you're like Booz Allen and and SAIC, like they're massive billion dollar firms, they're not going to take advantage of this. But if you're, say, excuse me, say you live in Charleston, South Carolina, and you support Spaywar, AKA now called NYWIC, Lant, I think. And but you're like a, a five-person company. You offer some specific little thing. Um, and you don't do cybersecurity, you can use this NSA thing. I, I would be really interested in understanding what this service looks like. I, like that could be a fun little video. Um and, and honestly, like like technically my business, even though Simply Cyber is like education and podcasts and stuff like that. I am literally a, I mean, it's not a big deal, but like I am a registered um, government contractor business, like the the SAM thing and the cage code and all that stuff. I'm part of the defense industrial base, uh, but like, so I wonder if like, it, it's, it's not that hard to get that designation. So you could take advantage of this, just saying. So um, I love this. And uh, I do like your analysis. Uh, you can, you could pull some uh, some interesting insights out of this. I, I'm opening the NSA document right now really quickly. Uh, I just want to see if there's anything kind of like particularly interesting in here. Uh, there's a major focus on cybersecurity, obviously, for the NSA. Hunting, ru- hunting Russian intelligence snake malware. They got a whole segment on this. This is reading like a Sky Mall magazine where it's like, you know, some interesting stuff, a little... Dude, if you're flying anytime soon, might be worth printing this out and uh little little um, you know, in-flight read here. Here we go, just some quick interesting stuff. Hundreds of unique IOCs fed into the NSA block list weekly. All right, so the NSA has a block list that you can subscribe to like a threat feed. Um this is actually a fun little fact. If you are a practitioner, a lot of the new tools you have like your firewalls and stuff and uh BSEC is probably uh more informed on this than I am. Um, but you can literally set up feeds like, like, I I don't know if this is like taxi or sticks, but like you can set up threat in ingestion feeds to automatically update your block list, basically in your firewalls and your EDR solutions to make sure that these things that are coming out are blocked. So you don't have to manually copy paste, copy paste. You can literally subscribe through like an API and pull down these things. So that's a really huge value. Um, 
Because of that, you can see second row far left, 20 million blocks generated from NSA's unique IOCs. They're counting that. So the hundreds of IOCs weekly that are there that people are ingesting successfully resulted in 20 million different attempts to access malicious resources on the internet being stopped. So this is huge, huge value. Um, so anyways, this is cool. I recommend, I'm going to drop a link in chat to this particular story. Um, I think that this is very cool and definitely warrants a little bit more of an investigation. Also, just as a quick aside, because um, I'm always dropping these things all over the place. Um, as far as helping small businesses, the NSA will help defense industrial-based small businesses for free with cybersecurity. If you did not know, BSEC and I are actually talking about putting together um, some education and collateral around helping small businesses secure themselves, um, you know, both from like an operational perspective and a technical perspective. Uh, and this is like an initiative that BSEC and I are talking about in 2024. So just a little teaser to, to tease that out, but just know that that um, is on the roadmap here. Let's go. And now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Has your organization fallen victim to ransomware? Remain calm and head over to recoverfromransomware.com. Barricade Cyber Solutions is the go-to for ransomware recovery services that small and medium business executives can trust. Over the past five years, Barricade Cyber Solutions has saved 3,000 plus businesses in your shoes. Trust the elite DFIR team at Barricade Cyber Solutions with your data and system security recovery. Book a free consultation with the CEO at recoverfromransomware.com now. All right. Let's go. Again, I really got to get my audio fixed here. Uh, don't you forget about me. All right, everybody. Welcome to the mid-roll. We're halfway there, and it's 8.30 on the dot. Somebody text Nick Barker and let him know I nailed it today. Guys, if you're getting value from the stream, I am super pumped about that. Thank you very much for being here. Educational value, entertainment value, whatever your value is hit the like button. It helps other people find the show and other people get value, right? Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Um, can't wait for January 4th where uh, for the town hall meeting, guys. I've got so many initiatives going on uh, for Simply Cyber in 2024. Desperately trying to get Cyber 101 uh, launched. So I can then focus, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on podcasts in 2020, in early 2024. We got ones coming out with Finfrock, Josh Mason, a couple other special guests, myself and Ryan Lairvik. We're launching like four new podcasts in 2024. I'm super excited. Uh, stay tuned for that. All right, guys. Hey, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is hot, 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 hot. Mercy. Listen, if you want to build your professional network in a meaningful way for five minutes a day, do you have five minutes a day to, to invest in yourself? Go on to LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, hashtag simply cyber community challenge and connect with the people who are posting and comment on their post. Connect with the people in the comments. I know that's a lot to do, but believe me, you can do it in five minutes or less a day. Louise B is currently the baton holder. And Louise B, please tag somebody in chat. Here's the deal. Go on LinkedIn, find Louise B's Simply Cyber Community Challenge post, connect with them. Here's the beauty of it. 
if you connect with Louise B and say there's three people in the comments, you connected those three people. Now you have four new meaningful connections and you comment. Then you go to sleep, right? You, you hop in your Minecraft bed and you sleep. When you wake up, you have 20 new connections. How could this be? Because you're in the comments, you'll be passively building your network because other Simply Cyber community members are coming in and connecting with you because you're in the comments. Five minutes a day, come back to me in two weeks and tell me that you didn't find, like it didn't build your network. You didn't get value from it. If that is the case, I would love to hear it because we've been doing this challenge for like 200 days and everybody has gotten value from it. And it costs nothing except five minutes of your time a day. Come on, if you don't have five minutes a day for this, you need to find 10 minutes a day. All right, guys. Every Thursday is Dan Reardon's meme of the week. And he makes a custom meme. I don't approve it, deny it, censor it, anything. It, it's I literally just take it from Dan and I put it on stream. And it is the holidays. So here we go. A classic Home Alone Simply Cyber Edition with Flaming Donkey APT in the background. If you're, if you're new here and don't know the inside joke, uh, threat actors have funny names. And we created our own threat actor called Flaming Donkey. And uh, we're, we're slowly trying to get Flaming Donkey into miter attack. It's a slow burn. There's also an emote for that Flaming Donkey. But here we go. Home Alone, Kevin McAllister, Simply Cyber. Oh, my God. That's so good. That coffee is so good. All right, guys. We have a good time here, but it's time to get back to work. Let's roll. UK court rules on AI as inventors. Back in 2019, the UK's Intellectual Property Office denied attempts by an AI investor, Stephen Thaler, to have his AI system Dabus listed as the inventor on two patents. Now, the UK's Supreme Court unanimously denied Thaler's appeal, saying an inventor must be a natural person. Thaler tried a similar approach in the US, where the US Patent and Trademark Office denied similar patents. The U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear that case. Yeah, come on now. Um, all right, so here's the thing. Uh, this again, this is this isn't a cybersecurity story. Okay, so let's just let's just start there. Second of all, AI sucks the oxygen out of the room in every conversation. Um, it, but surprisingly, a lot of people outside of the tech sector um, don't really know about AI or not talking about it. Um, so AI, a system cannot be an inventor. Okay. Like obviously, um, I do think at some point it's going to be scary, but at some point there will be, um, a push. This is a speculative hot take. And then I'm going to move on to the next story. A speculative hot take. Here we go. Get my tinfoil hat on. At some point AI is, there's going to be people who are trying to push for like civil rights for AI and civil liberties for AI when it becomes somewhat um, sentient um, and being treated as a uh, human or being treated with the same liberties as a human. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be people pushing for that. I don't know why this guy would want the AI to be the inventor versus himself or, you know, a representative of him, but um, anyway, so there's not much there. I see Jessica Propes, aka Cyber Kill Jane, talking about Simply Cyber Christmas card. 
I'm not sure what that is uh, in reference to, uh, but uh, if we can get some more information, I'll definitely speak to it. All right, so AI doing all sorts of crazy things, um, but not not getting patents. NIST starts the ball rolling on AI guidance. Back in October, U.S. President Joe Biden issued an executive order on AI to develop industry standards around AI safety, security, and trust. To meet this order, NIST opened a public comment period on methods for testing safety of these new systems. In the comment period, NIST specified it's looking for where red teaming would be beneficial to AI risk assessments and a way to establish best practices. The comment period will run through February 2nd. All right, so more AI. Shall we play a game? More AI. Okay, dude. Okay, so the federal U.S. federal government under Biden, but I mean, it, it, whoever the president is would be doing this. Uh, yes, and I do heartness to way to go, NIST, for leading the charge on this one. Um, they're trying to get their arms around AI standards. Okay, uh, just FYI, dear United States. Uh, the European Union is online too. They already did all this. Can you please just copy and paste and move quickly? Like AI is moving at a speed that is unprecedented. An open, an open comments period through February. I get it. I get it. But like, ugh, it's so slow, man. Um, I mean, they were putting a committee together like in June to meet in October. And I remember thinking how stupid that was. And I, I'm sorry, I hate to be like, I hate to be like, you know, kind of like ill or throwing shade or, or kind of having like a, a, um, a clippiness to my tone, but I just, AI is, it's, it's concerning and it's very uh, fast. And like, you can't move at the speed of federal government. Um, but NIST, you know what? I love that NIST is trying to implement uh, best practices in order to test um, the security of AI. I mean, here's the de here's the deal. Here's the reality. AI, it's going to be baked in everything. AI is going to be everywhere, okay? And a lot of people, including myself, uh, is are actively looking to leverage it in more automated fashions, right? So if you if it's baked into products and you don't know it, of course you of course you're gonna know it though because every vendor is gonna be slapping AI all over everything. Um, Alana Boyajian with the super chat coming in, wicked hot. We just become best friends. Yep. Thank you, Alana Boyajian. Thank you so much, Jerry and Mods, for an amazing 2023 building community, celebrating all the wins, dropping knowledge bombs, and the first simply CyberCon. Here's beers to the hundred thousand subs and all the cool stuff in the works for 2024. Thank you, Alana. It's great. It's great to have you uh, as a member of the community. Alana Boyajian, you know, all um, GRC professional. Uh, she's firmly on the GIF side of the fence. Uh, that's one thing that Alana and I uh, can't align on, a GIF versus GIF. But Alana, I'm super pumped to have you in the Simply Cyber community. Thank you all uh, for what you do and uh, for showing up on the reg. All right. Uh, so anyways, with, with this NIST thing, we'll just see, right? There's going to be guidance coming out. AI is not going anywhere. Hopefully they have best practices. Again, it'll, it'll be all voluntary based, right? You're, they're not going to be able to regulate it uh, with any, with any um, movement forward. So, Kingdom Market shut down. German law enforcement announced it seized servers belonging to the Darknet market used to traffic things like illicit drugs, malware, and identity documents. 
Authorities will now analyze the server infrastructure to identify the operators. It's not clear if this action is linked to charges recently filed in the U.S. against an alleged Kingdom Market operator last week. Kingdom Market came online back in March 2021 with tens of thousands of registered customer accounts. All right. Hey, you know what? German law enforcement, get in here. We love you. Um, taking down dark web marketplaces. Guys, here's the deal. Like insert country police, right? So this is a, a variable value. And this is a variable value right here. And uh, rinse and repeat, dude. Here's the thing. Country takes down current dark web marketplace. It happens all the time. Um, and, and honestly, um, it's, it's, it's like cybersecurity work. Like you got to remain vigilant. You got to remain on top of it. Um, alpha, um, oh my God, what is it? It's, um, Silk Road was the first one that demonstrated the, um, the interest in it. Alpha Bay was a huge one. Again, tracers in the dark, um, by, uh, Andy, uh, Andy Greenberg is definitely, um, worth reading, but let me just, hold on. I'm, I'm writing a poll right now for everybody. Jif or Jif. Okay. Um, here's the deal. There's so much money to be made and there's so much interest from society for these dark web marketplaces um, that as soon as one goes down, so the German police take down Kingdom Market. The It's like rats on a boat. Like as soon as this one goes down, more are going to crop up. The people, there's a there's a business for it. Think about it. Like what what is there a business for right now? Um, what is a good example of a business? Um, Oh my God, I'm so dumb right now. Like, I, I can't think of an example, honestly. Like, like, like gift baskets, right? Like Harry and David gift baskets. Something simple and silly as this. So Harry and David, if you don't know, they sell like these gift baskets with like pears and, and cheese and, and, you know, like in uh, quiches or whatever, right? And you go online and you buy one and you send it to a relative for Christmas and you say, I love you. Thank you very much. Okay. And there's a market for that because there's people who want to send gift baskets to other people. So if Harry and David was to implode, there's still a market for people who want to send gift baskets and businesses love markets because you can stand up a business, but if there's no one buying your product, you're going to go out of business. It's all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So in the dark web marketplace, there is a market. There's people who want to buy drugs online. There's people who want to buy fake currency and fake passports and all this other crap. And they just need somebody to provide a market for them, which is why when these things get taken down, more crop up. The, the trick is law enforcement and the justice system needs to instill a penalty so strong that it deters marketplace operators from moving forward. Now, I, I say that, but one thing that you should know is that Ross Ulbricht, um, the guy who ran the first one, the Silk Road, according to Tracers in the Dark, the book I, I read about this, the judge in that case literally handed down like the strictest policy she possibly could um, to Ross Ulbricht. So he's like in jail for like 115 years 
serving like concurrent sentences or something like that. And, and rightly so. I mean, it wasn't that he was just running a dark web marketplace and he was like a businessman. Like near the end, he was actually trying to get like somebody murdered. All right. So that's that's why he it really. But what ended up happening was it it didn't deter anyone. In fact, it had the opposite effect. It was such a big news story that it, it, it blew up and mushroomed out and more people found out about these dark web marketplaces and drove more interest into them. So it like uh, prison uh, for, for life is not a, a strong enough to turn apparently. So whatever. I'm glad. Hey, you know what? Germany. I love it. Go, you go Germany. You do you. All right. Let's check out the uh, GIF GIF poll. 124 people. Uh, a lot of people are in the GIF camp. A lot of people in the GIF camp. All right, we're gonna go ahead and end the poll. Alana, I uh, I tip my hat to you on this one. Um, I will I will dig in and continue to say GIF, but I recognize that I am very much uh, in the minority on that. Shadow IT causing security incidents. A new study from oh. Kaspersky found that over the past two years. 85% of companies globally have experienced a cybersecurity incident. Of this, shadow IT, or unauthorized technology use, accounted for 11% of those incidents. The study noted that many of these issues come from employees using services from trusted providers, assuming that this provided proper security protections. However, when not using enterprise-grade services, many of these operate under a shared responsibility model that goes unaccounted for. Just a reminder that. All right. I wasn't listening to that because I was talking in mod chat. Um, all I heard was 85% um, of firms face cyber incidences. Uh, seems low. I'm thinking 100% of firms face cyber incidents. So there's my first thought on that. Second of all, 11% from shadow IT. Ah, also low. I hate to be so. Um, I hate to be so. Um, what's the word? Uh, cynical. But dude, shadow IT is basically unmanaged infrastructure. Shadow IT is Carl throwing a webcam on or standing up a WordPress site or pushing a bunch of data into some really cool next-gen AI cloud sassy product um, that they heard about and seeing what happens. Um, this is another uh, vendor-sponsored um, kind of year-end report. You're going to see a lot of these. like At the end of the year, in uh, in early Q1, as they take all the data and, and analyze it, you're going to see a lot of like year in review, um, 2023 year in review. Like here's all the things we learned about. So get ready for that deluge of all that information. For me, for me, I love it because um, I love data and I love you know crunching numbers and stuff like that. But um, Yeah, like shadow IT is it's everywhere and here's here's the here's the deal. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to control shadow IT because most businesses a lot well, first of all, most businesses allow you to install whatever you want, but even if you are managing the ability to install apps on devices, some some brilliant CFO somewhere came up with bring your own device uh policy which is like brutal. So I can install whatever I want on my phone and on my laptop and you can't stop me. Um, so that's that's shadow IT, right? Um, no one's reading the terms and, and services in the EULA when they're, when they're standing stuff up, right? So 
again, I think 11% is really low, honestly, to say that only 11% of incidents come from shadow IT. Um, if you, I mean, I guess you really need to define what shadow IT is there because to me, unauthorized software would constitute shadow IT. Um, as far as getting your arms around shadow IT as a practitioner, I mean, you got to have strong policy. Um, you have to have strong governance. Some of the worst, um, some of the worst, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, some of the worst individuals, that's not the right word, but the, the, some of the worst individuals introducing shadow IT into the organization is the business leaders. And it's really difficult to tell like the chief marketing officer, no, or the CFO, no, because they're going to say, no, I'm going to do this. And like, you can suck it, um, cybersecurity person. Like, no. So you, you like, they're also the ones driving around with their apples in a complete Windows environment. So it's, it is a difficult uh, job. This is why you build political capital. This is why you use end user awareness training to drive behavior modification consistently and not just once a year, but m baking it into the culture of the, um, the environment. Also, making sure that you have good uh, detections put in place. You can't, you can't always stop people from putting shadow IT into your environment, but you can certainly detect when there's a problem and intervene quickly. And then, you know, <laughs> choose your own adventure and be careful with this. But if a shadow IT option results in some significant compromise, leverage it without embarrassing the individual who introduced the shadow IT, unless they're a repeat uh, nuisance. But don't embarrass the individual, but do use opportunities when it comes up as an indicator on why we don't use shadow IT and why you we have controls in place, okay? Yeah, if you do have bring your own device, you do need to use MDM. Uh, but in my opinion, MDM is uh, MDM's fine, but a lot of businesses just use it for wiping the device. Um, you could still, I mean, the, the device is still like you can bring it to work and have it on your network and no one is, you're not controlling it via MDM on what it, network connections do. At least the MDM I've seen. I don't know if like you can get super intrusive with MDM. I haven't seen it do that. Most part MDM is like uh, compartmentalizing your email and your uh, Outlook, to, I mean, your uh, Office 365 documents, the ability to wipe and purge that from the phone and uh, being able to wipe the phone if it's lost or stolen. That, that's what I've seen. All right. Okay, here we go. We have no new defense in depth. Oh, all right. All right, guys. Hey, I, for the uh, individuals who think I go a little long, we're 10 minutes early on the stream. So I love it. <laughs> all right. Hey, really quickly, we're going to have some fun jaw jacking. Um, we're going to have some fun jaw jack in, in a minute, but if you were here just for the news, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it cutting out a little quicker. Uh, and hopefully you enjoyed us getting into the news a little sooner. Again, I'm not throwing shade at the individual who asked who, who, cause they're a long timer and I'm, I totally get it. I'm open to, um, constructive feedback. So I am trying to, uh, take that in, uh, really quick. If you were here, um, just for the news, I want to remind you that later today, um, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, nope, that's the wrong stream. That's on January 4th. We are having Bo Bullock from Black Hills Information Security come on. Dude's a legend. He's a musician. If you were at 
uh, Deadwood Wild West Hack and Fest. You know who this dude is. Um, if you've been in the industry for a minute, you know who this dude is. If you don't know who Bo Bullock is, then please come. Enjoy at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time meeting Bo Bullock. That's why I do the Thursday lives. It's to bring industry practitioners to you and let them share their expertise. So Bo, he developed this wicked cool tool called Graph Runner, which basically is like a point and click, take over all your infrastructure, all your base belong to us kind of solution. Uh, we'll do a demo. We'll get his thoughts. We'll answer all your questions. Come back at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and if not, then we'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the final Daily Cyber Threat Briefing of the week before the three-day weekend. Whoop, 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 whoop. All right, guys. Be well. And uh, let's head on over to jawjacking. And we'll see you at 4.30 p.m. or tomorrow at 8 a.m. See you at jawjacking. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the party. I am your host, Jerry Guy. This is jawjacking. It's kind of the, the uh, after hours party or the after par- after the party is the after party. It's the after party of the daily cyber threat briefing where we just kind of kick it, do AMA stuff. I finish my coffee and then just get like sad that my coffee's gone. Mm. Oh, my God. Josh Mason's dad. These beans have been touched by an angel. All right, so let me go back through the the chat here. Louise B needs help finding a volunteer. Louise B, hey, who wants anybody interested in the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Is Rhonda in the house? Is Rhonda here? Rhonda, Rhonda Rummerfield, Baton. Let me ask Rhonda, because Rhonda was here the other day and uh, she said she wanted it, and we gave it to somebody else because she was second. So if Rhonda is in here. Let us know if she would like to pick the baton up. Amelia Garcia, eyes on the road, my friend, but enjoy the jaw jacking. Um, let me go back. I want to know what this holiday card was about. Um, what was the Christmas card stuff about? Uh, Jessica Probe, sorry that was vague. We should use the Home Alone meme for a Team Simply Cyber card Christmas card. Yeah, you know what? Um if we have some time today, I'd love to make like a little Christmas card and post it on YouTube and LinkedIn. Um I don't know. I mean, is it cringy though cuz it's like it's like a big picture of my own face. Like I, I feel like it's funny. I feel like it's funny, but I also feel like kind of cringy if if I were to like You know what I mean? Like I mean the thumbnails with my big face um is one thing, but that's like a marketing thing. This I, I don't know. Let me know. I'm I'm open to ideas. I mean, a, a Christmas card would take like 10 minutes to make and it would be funny. So, all right. Rhonda Rummerfield's in. Yes. Yes. Can't wait, Rhonda, to see your post. Let me go back through the lines here. Um, couple things. Hey, if you guys didn't know, I don't talk about it very often, but the Simply Cyber newsletter has been going out every single Monday all year long. If you're not uh, aware of it, it's literally, um, it's a community service that uh, is produced and it basically is, um, it's three pieces of actionable intel that you can use to um, drive cyber risk reduction. Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter and sign up if you're interested. 
comes out every Monday. All right. So cute up says, don't forget to put those gifs under the Christmas tree. Very funny. Very funny. <laughs> um, let's see. Valentino saying this is the gif that keeps on jiving. <laughs> you guys are brutal, man. You guys are brutal today. All right. Let's keep going here. Um, the $64,000 question, is it Gerald Osier or Gerald Osier with a J? Okay, you guys, very funny. Um, okay. Cued up saying we're not jawjacking here, we're gawgacking. Oh, my God. You guys, the GIF gift uh, is uh, on fire today. You guys are killing me. All right. All right, so Rhonda's in for the uh, community challenge. Thank you. Gabe Lister's in the house. Jaw jacking. How do threat actors know when you have a package arriving and send those social engineering texts that you need to contact them to receive your package? So Gabe Lister, on that, uh, here's what I think. I'm open to other people's thoughts. Social engineering, knowing that you're getting a package, they don't know you're getting a package. It's literally, it's literally a numbers game, right? Like, Many of us, probably most of us in chat ordered a bunch of um, product in the last month, right? So Amazon's calling, UPS is calling, DHL, whatever. Like it's it's a known quantity that a ton of people have a massive uptick in ordering the packages right now. So getting an email saying that your package isn't going to be delivered, there's a higher probability that it's going to resonate with you. And the, the social engineers, they don't care. If they send out a thousand emails, 10,000 emails. It costs nothing to send out those emails. So if they send out, if they send, look, get me, get me on this one, Gabe, they send out a million emails and five people are expecting packages, which you know, it's way more than five. Five people are expecting packages and one falls for the fish and gives them 500 bucks or whatever. It was worth their time, right? Really, the percentages are much higher on that. So I think it's really just a numbers game that they're getting into. Again, thanks so much, Alana, for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. For all those first timers here, hashtag first timer if you are a first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Thank you so very much for being here. Love having you first timers and hope you're enjoying the stream. And long timers, I'm glad you're here on the regular. Uh, BSEC is giving some updates on, I think, um, mobile device management, MDM for BYOD. You can segment individual devices on the network like BYOD that are Wi-Fi, so like phones. Uh, so when it comes to bring your own device, the MDM would be the fact that you're compartmentalizing the work stuff on the physical device. You probably, are. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, this is good. I mean, you got to implement it correct though, right? Um, Tony Parrish in the house. Uh, Tony Parrish got an unauthorized Zell request. Um, Cash withdrawal within an hour of the incident. I applaud the incident response team. Very nice. Also, hey, I would just call out like, this is cool. Uh, I find that the, the the financial services fraud detection, both at credit cards and banks is actually really good. I do want to shout out quick that um, be on the lookout. Like it wouldn't be ridiculous for a cyber criminal fraudster social engineer to pretend to be your bank saying that there is a fraudulent charge and that they want you to approve or deny that charge or follow this link in order to not have that money go out the door. Um, the money's going to go out in the next 20 minutes if you don't say something right. Like 
all, all the, you know, all the hallmarks of a social engineer. Uh, Shannon, Sharon Moore says, how do I access the newsletter? Check it out, Sharon. You go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter. I'll drop a link in chat. This is it right here. Okay. Uh, at Sharon Moore, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. Again, it's like one of those things that I don't really, I forget. I don't forget, but I just forget to bring it up all the time. There's that, um, like another thing that I always forget to mention to people is, um, the simply cyber, like this, this broadcast right here, the, the daily cyber threat briefing every single morning, it, the audio is ripped down and published immediately after the show. You can see yesterday's shows here. So if you, if you'd prefer to drive and listen, or you're at the gym and you want to listen, or you're mowing the lawn and you want to listen, there is an audio only option. And it's not, we don't have like commercials spliced into it. It's literally just the audio of the show. Um, So don't sleep on that, right? There's probably other stuff that I do that I I can't, I always forget about. Um, I've been telling people about this, right? If you're breaking in the industry, this is a free ebook you can download that has basically the 10 steps in a row that you want to do. And then I actually send a bunch of emails afterwards providing resources and stuff. Um, Again, guys, 2024... Early 2024 is going to be focused on tightening everything up. I've got a lot going on um, and I just need to tighten it up. Kathy uh, Chambers is going to be helping me with that. I hired a digital graphic artist to to um, define the whole brand identity. Oh, by the way, for everybody that helped me um, pay a Canadian business, thank you. I ended up using PayPal and uh, that worked fine. I was able to transfer money using PayPal. Uh, so, all right. What else we got? Simple. Hold on. Slaysec just hit a thousand um, followers on LinkedIn. Way to go, Jesse. Uh, Jean Passo, hashtag first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal, Jean. Or Gene. Um, Simple Man Guitar. How do you... Hey, so what day is your opinion on all these so-called entry-level jobs that require tons of experience? Yeah. So here's the thing, Simple Man Guitar. And I'd recommend if you want a hot take opinion. Um, let me let me show you this. So my thought is uh, there are entry level jobs in the industry, but cybersecurity is a really interesting field in that a lot of the um, prerequisite knowledge in order to do an entry level job um, is not entry level. So it, it's special in the fact that you need some prerequisite knowledge. John Strand's keynote speech um, for Simply CyberCon was unabashedly raw and unabashedly direct answering this question. And if you saw uh, John's keynote, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if you want to know If you want to know what John's thoughts are, it's interesting, but um, the TLDR is Simple Man Guitar. There's a lot going on. Some some businesses don't know what they're asking for, and they ask for the moon, uh, not realizing that they don't need that. Uh, some people, I mean, there are, I would say that there are very legitimate entry-level penetration testing jobs um, or pen testing work. Uh, excuse me, you can do bug bounty 
without prior experience. Um, SOC analysts, like some of the bigger firms, like Expel, for example, I know Expel does this, has like really well-defined onboarding and training of their own staff. Ask Stacey Loki or Jess Bishop in chat uh, or Tom Pike. They can they can talk to how a true entry-level job in SOC analysts exists. But here's the thing. You need to understand how a network works. You need to understand how an operating system works, at least at a fundamental level. Like how can you... Here's the thing. How can you help protect a system and identify bad behavior if you don't know what normal behavior looks like? So the entry level is entry level, but entry level assumes a lot of prerequisite knowledge. Okay. Hopefully that answers your question. Uh, Bobby Teal says, hashtag first timer. What's up, Bobby Teal? Just signed up for the newsletter. All right, Bobby. You're going to love it. Believe me. And, and Bobby, they, it comes out on Monday mornings. So you won't see one until Monday. And honestly, because of uh, Christmas, it might actually be um, it might be on Tuesday. Uh, but it comes out once a week. Okay. All right. Be well, Jesse Johnson. Good to see you. A digital graphic artist. Yes. Yes. Casually, Joseph. Um. Gabe Leister, scheduling my CYSA plus today. The countdown begins. Yep. I'll tell you that too. Like for me personally, I don't know how people stand on this, but like for me, until it has a scheduled date, it's not a reality. Like it needs to be, um, especially for like, um, like uh, certification exams and stuff like that. I have to put a date and then start working towards it or I'm just going to keep pushing it to the right. Uh, give me one second. I'm trying to make sure I don't have a meeting. I do not have a meeting. All right, let's go. Jonathan Lindsay says, I'm stuck where I'm at, thinking it was going to be a sock job, but it's not, and I can't leave yet. I want to get into forensics. Start with sock. Yeah, I mean, I would... <clears throat> so, Jonathan Lindsay, two things. One, sock work will offer opportunities to do forensics work. So, I'm totally into that. Second of all, what I would say, um, Jonathan, is it sucks that you're stuck somewhere that isn't legit. I would do everything in my power to try to either make it what you want, leverage internal um, internal flexibility and internal um, opportunities to get more cyber-related stuff, and then you know basically uh, start moving towards digital forensics. Um, I want to share this with you. Um, if you didn't know this... This is for Jonathan and everybody else. This was a live stream I did with um, Jessica Hyde. You can see her right here on stream. This is Jessica right here. Jessica Hyde is one of the most distinguished and accomplished digital forensics practitioners in the world. Okay. She, former Marine also, she right here came on for an hour. If you attended this live stream, you know exactly what I'm about to say. Jessica Hyde shared an unbelievable, and I, I'm using that word not hyperbolically. She she shared a unbelievable amount of um, resources for learning digital forensics, labs, examples, books, podcasts, people, websites. I mean, she just kept churning out value. It was out of control. Jonathan Lindsay, I would just say, if you want to do di digital forensics, please invest the one hour in that video and bring a notepad and three pencils sharpened because you're going to be taking 
a ridiculous amount of notes, okay? Hopefully that helps. Good morning, Dr. Osher. Newbie here representing Peru. Yeah, man, Carlos, hashtag first-timer. Good to see you, Carlos. Good to see you, Carlos. Also, Carlos, no pressure, but uh, Peru is in South America, and we always have a struggle on Wednesdays for Worldwide Wednesday where we go around the world and see in two minutes if we have somebody in every continent. Come back on Wednesday, Carlos. We'd love to have you representing South America. Um, also, uh, shout out to Carlos Hernandez in Vegas. Hey, Carlos, hope everything's going well for you. Uh, Pursuit of Bliss, repeating my question. Uh, what happens to money that ransomware groups get? How do they utilize the money without getting caught? All right, so Pursuit of Bliss. Uh, good question. Most threat actors request digital cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Bitcoin, um, you can't buy much with Bitcoin, but it is an asset, right? With Bitcoin, the threat actors get it. And um, hold on one second. Nerman, hold on, let me get the name right. I always butcher your name. I'm sorry, Nerman. Nerman uh, Zlatnovich with the super chat. Hello, Dr. Osher. I just signed up for the bug bounty program on HackerOne. Awesome. That's what I do too. Is it worth paying for the pro version of Burp Suite? What are your thoughts on this one? Did we just become best friends? Yep. First of all, um, Nerman, I will answer this question. Let me just finish Pursuit of Bliss really quickly, and then we'll talk about bug bounties and HackerOne. I think that's a great question. Pursuit of Bliss. Ransomware threat actors get the cryptocurrency. Then they need to wash it. They can use mixers, blenders, tornado cash as an example. There's a reason the Department of Treasury actually put sanctions against things like tornado cash. Um, here, you'll see. Tornado cash sanctions, right? Um, court victory of the Treasury indictment of tornado cash. This is the Department of Treasury website. Basically, the threat actors need to get the money out. There is the blockchain, blockchain, which tracks everything. So at some point, you have to get the money into an exchange so you can exchange it from crypto into USD or something like that. So basically, the threat actors, these are their options. They can trade um, out of market. So like I give you, like you have cash, right? You have cash, um, pursuit of bliss. And I'm going to sell you a million dollars of Bitcoin for a hundred thousand dollars cash. You hand me the cash. I get, I wire the, the Bitcoin money to your wallet, right? So now I'm taking a loss on it, but that cash in my hand right now is untraceable to the Bitcoin exchange. Now you've taken on the risk of having kind of tainted money, but the thing is you've just 10 X your value and you have some way to get the money out. So that's what's going on. That's how they use it. Okay. Uh, Nerman says he signed up on HackerOne. Is it worth the pro version of Burp Suite? Let me check what the value of Burp Suite is. Uh, Burp Suite. I think the answer is yes, by the way. Um, but I just want to look at it really quickly. Burp Suite Pro Edition. This is the pricing. Um, for $449, you can get one user for one year. This is definitely what you're thinking. Here's what I think, Nerman. If you can get one bug for 500 bucks, you'll have paid for this, right? Plus, if you think about this, um, this is a set. Hold on. I'm so stupid right now, but um, it's 37 bucks a month. Okay. So you're talking about $37 a month. Like that's almost like what Netflix charges at this point. So for 40, for 37 bucks a month, 
you, you know, I, I think it's worth it. Burp Suite is a powerful tool. Every single um, bug bounty person that's like, you know, um, Jason Haddix, uh, Nahamsek, um, Stoke, they all use Burp Suite. There's a reason Burp Suite Pro is super popular because it's super effective. If it were me, if I was going to, if I, I would love to do this. Like I said, when, once I get everything stood up, Cyber 101, my enterprise risk assessment, all the podcasts, what I desperately want to do, desperately want to do is take Jason Haddock's um, hacker course and go on Hacker One and find some bugs and get that, um, get that experience and then make a video about it. I desperately want to do that. Um, but I have to take care of all of my responsibilities, like being a father, being a husband, providing for my family, um, before I can play, uh, you know, play hacker. So yes, the answer is yes. I think Burp Suite Professional is worth it. Spend the 450 bucks, do one year, take it seriously, get one bug to pay for it and you're off and running. Plus, I don't know, Burp Suite might run specials. Um, I will say that you can do this, um, you can do this free tier, right? So some people might be like, it's free. Uh, what I would say is if you don't um, know, I've used the free version of Burp Suite and it throttles. Like it'll throttle, meaning like, say you're trying to like brute force uh, a password. Like you want to check a million passwords after like the 10th password. It waits like one second before trying another password. That's a million seconds. That's a long time. So just for your own value of your time, it's worth paying for the pro version. All right. Hopefully that answers your question again. Thanks for the super chat. We just become best friends. Yep. Um, has anyone read Bug Bounty Bootcamp from No Starch Press? No, but I do like No Starch Press. Um, not every uh, book hits for me. Uh, there's one specifically. I don't want to. I like No Starch Press in general. Um, I feel like they're typically high end. Very good. Vicky Lee wrote this book. Does anybody have any thoughts? I, hey, first timer live. Nicholas M. Judges, are we going to give that a first timer sound effect? Yes. All right. Hey, the judges have agreed. Welcome to the live party, pal. Nicholas M. Great to see you. Uh, I don't know. Um, this looks cool, though. Yeah. So Josh Mason says you can go faster with Python if you're doing brute forcing. I agree hundred percent. I'm just saying as an example of, of like what the free version is versus the paid version, it, the paid version, as far as I know, you get in the free version, you get access to a lot of the features. It's just, it's more of a time thing. I, I think 450 bucks is fair for a year. Uh, you can get 35% off these eBooks if you want an eBook. For me, I like a physical book. Oh, Jenny Housley, you've done me in here. I might buy this right now. Oh my God, Jenny. This is, uh... oh my God. I... Uh... How much is it? How much is it? Oh my God. Oh my God. How much is it? Oh my God. Ah! I don't even need to buy this. 30 bucks. Ooh, the paperback. See, I don't even want a digital version. Paperback's 50 bucks. Mmm. Mmm. Might have to wait until it goes on sale. $50 for like um, a fringe topic for me. Cause like I can't, like I'm not, I don't have time to do bug bounties right now, but I desperately want to. Ooh, 
Brad DM, AG, judges. Welcome to the party, pal. Love it, love it, love it. First timers are so hot right now. That Hansel's so hot right now. All right. Love it, love it, love it. Oh my God. Okay, so, oh wait, you guys didn't see me. I'm like literally, I'm literally like painstakingly pining over this book. Sorry, I was doing it off camera. Chris Young, we're talking about this book right here. It's got five stars. Dude, 198 ratings, 4.8 stars. I mean, this is uh, pretty pretty legit. Elvin Lopez, first timer. Welcome to the party, Elvin. Welcome to the party, pal. Oh, this is so good. Also, really quickly, if you are into Bug Bounty, um, Nahamsek is definitely a leader in that space. I recommend. I Plus, he's a really nice guy. I love uh, Ben. He has got all sorts of content on bug bounties and how to do bug bounties. He recently found a $60,000 bug. Um, I saw him tweet about that. That was wicked awesome. So um, this guy right here, he's a, he's an absolute must follow. If you're going to do bug bounty, an absolute must follow. Oh, hey, here we go. Jenny House. Here we go. Jenny Housley just dropping this gem in chat. If you want more information, David Bomble did a 40-minute interview with the author, Vicki Lee, of this book. So, you know what? I'm going to... What am I going to do? How do I uh, add this to my watch later list? All right, I'm going to save this to watch later. And uh, maybe that'll scratch the itch. Or maybe I'll just buy the book at that point. <laughs> All right. Thank you, uh, Jenny. Jonathan Lindsay wants whiskey. I don't know what time it is there, Jonathan, but let's go. If you're, hey, you know what? If you're on holiday, be comfortable. Tyler Ramsby's doing bug bounties. Awesome. All right. Uh, Gary says, uh, or Jenny says it was a good interview. I'm definitely interested. I'm going to check it out. Um, oh, guys, 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 guys. Um, how do I, um, hold on. Let me pull this up. So I showed you the initial, um, draft certificate for cyber one Oh one. I want to share an update. Our very own Kimberly McKnight, who, who is so talented, got in there and, uh, did some like tuning up of this thing. And, uh, look at this. How do I, um, how do I, Hold on one second. Now, Gary, your name is spelled wrong, but that's okay. Look at this. Look at this. This is what it's going to look like right here. This is what it's going to look like when you complete Cyber 101. I think that that certificate is hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. Oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. Uh, let me let me do this. Uh, and just FYI, the, um, the beta testing is going to start soon. All I've got is the labs left. I've got to film one more section. The, the slides are ready. Uh, dude, there's like 600 slides in the, in the course. Um, but the slides are ready for the final recording of the final section and then labs. It's going to be so great. I can't wait. I'm so excited um, to, to launch Cyber 101 and get this in people's hands. Um, Rex says, I have to use my Boston accent anytime you say Wicked Awesome. Did I just say Wicked Awesome? 
<laughs> tell your mother, I tell your mom I said hi. Pick up some scratchies for the stocking. Um. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's true. Queued up. I'll let everybody know, dude. I'd love to do a um. You know, it'd be kind of fun. I don't know if this would work, but is there some mechanism to do like a watch party where we watch this video in in Discord or something like that? Is there a way to like watch this together? <laughs> I don't know. Like, first of all, I don't know if that's possible, uh, but I would be interested in it because it would be cool to like watch this, like, like, you know, take notes, do things, but then also share thoughts and ideas with people. I think that that could be fun. Um, I did not upset Kennedy today. There was no swear jars today. Interesting. Good point. <laughs> Chris Young switching to GIF if he can get 25 bucks for a Christmas Eve birthday pizza. That's funny. Chris Whitlock says there is a way to do this. Uh, cool. Pursuit of bliss. Yeah, let me know. It, it would be interesting to do that. Like, I don't know how to do it, but um, maybe me and the mods can work together and we'll do it um, after after Christmas, like that week between Christmas and New Year's. And um we could do it right after the stream or we could do it, uh, you know, in the afternoon. I don't know, like whatever we could even do it. Um, on, I think a week from today, there's no simply cyber live. So we could do that. All right. If you watch it on stream with chat on YouTube, it could, Oh, that's cool. I could actually, we could actually stream it. Uh, I would message David Bomble and ask him if he minds, but he—I don't know how to connect with him. He—he he gets so many DMs that mine just fall into the nether. Um, all right, so there's a lot of interest here, and there's definitely a capability to do that. So I think we'll do it. Uh, Matt McDaniel's asking about the uh, Offsec framework. No, I got it installed, uh, but. It, that that framework, Matt, it seems like you have to know how to use it. There's, there isn't like a quick start or an onboarding, and I didn't have time to Google into um, finding out how to use it. I've been, after the streams, guys, I, like um, I have a couple meetings in the morning, and then I've been taking the, the day off. I've been, I've been working more than I wanted to in December, but I've been trying to um, not work past 11 a.m., and uh, I like played a lot of Minecraft yesterday with my son. Uh, I actually built like I suck at Minecraft, but I built like a prank. So like you step on the f welcome out of my house and like a bunch of dynamite detonates underneath. So like we, we like me and my eight year old built it. And then we asked my 11 year old to come downstairs and play Minecraft with us. And then he blew up and we like cackled about that and uh, spent time with uh, Mrs. Ozier. Um, you know, it, it's things are things are good. So. Um, Valentino says, I wasn't going to say anything, but I passed CYSA plus yesterday. Thanks to Gerald Ozier and the Simply Cyber fan for my journey. Valentino, why weren't you going to say anything? Let's go. Nice job, Valentino. Congratulations, uh, on your cert accomplishment and onward and upwards to the next great challenge, man. Way to go. That's super pumped. When it comes to corporate cyber teams, what makes better than others? 
What's makes some better than others? I'm thinking of Google's cyber team. You do not hear of many breaches coming out of Google. Why is that? All right. So Alexander Brown, a couple things. One, um, if you're interested in learning more about that Google, um, Nicole Pelross, this is how they tell me the world ends, actually covers um, the uh, Operation Aurora, which was like a major, I think, Chinese cyber attack on Google and Google's response to it. Here's the thing, corporate cyber teams, Google has lots and lots of money. So Google can hire the best talent. In addition to that, Google, oh, that's cool, Pursuit of Bliss, uh, he did respond. Well, maybe I'll try again. Um, Google has lots of people. So first of all, they have the money to hire the best talent. On top of that, they have a high, the money to hire lots of talent. So they have lots of people handling lots of different things. Plus they're really, really smart engineers. So like with all the telemetry they have, um, they are able to move and pivot quickly. Um, they hired, I mean, they bought Mandian for like a billion plus dollars, which is a amazing digital forensic. So now they have, it, they have an entire workforce that could be turned inward to do incident response on their own business. Right? So you're hundred percent right. They don't get hacked off. And you want to talk about strong governance? Uh, the Project Aurora, I mean, uh, excuse me, Operation Aurora really got them thinking, oh, we need to be super, super focused on cybersecurity in-house. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, Google is a big tech company, so they need to protect their assets, right? So that's what's up. That's why. And then um, just other, you know, Fortune 50 companies, they have an A load of money to invest in cybersecurity. And the reason there are fortune 50 companies is because they understand how business works and the value of business and typically investing back into the business instead of just trying to like be straight cash homie, straight cash, homie. and profit all the things they invest back into it. All right. All right. Louisa B's out. Chelsea Ray Waterhouse out. Um, <laughs> Pursuit of Bliss is trying to leave, but Get keeps getting sucked back in. All right. Oh my gosh. What time is it? 926. I'll go a couple more minutes. Oh my gosh. Super excited to talk to um Bo Bullock later today. Um oh. Yeah. Long day, guys. Super good day. We're really close um, to 100,000 subs. That's something that I've been like paying closer attention to. We're at 92,000 subs right now. Might I don't think we'll get to 100,000 before year end, but that could be that could be pretty gnarly if we did. Tell a friend. See if we can do it. Um, the subs have been surging lately. 6,900 in the last 28 days, which is cool. Oh yeah. I love jaw Jack and too, Matt McDaniel. Jonathan Lindsay. Do you think it's BS that we can't go after it scammers legally in the U S um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is kind of BS, but I mean, at the same time, where do you draw the line? I mean, that that's like vigilanteism, right? That's the entire premise of Batman is that you can't take the law into your own hands, right? Now, I feel like maybe if you do things, um, 
I don't know. Like the U.S. government just recently, like basically authorized hackback as a strategy. So I don't know. I guess technically if you had malware. Well, here's the thing. In John Strand's active defense and cyber deception class, he actually talks about the difference between poison and venom. If you go after a scammer and push and trick them into downloading malware, that's that's you're committing a crime. If you have malware on your computer and they download it, well, then that's venom and that's that's them um, infecting themselves, right? So I think there is some gray area there. QDAP, have a great day, everyone. I love Nicole Pelroth too. That's another... Um, Nicole Pelroth would be an awesome interview to have on the channel. <laughs> Rex. So, um, super pumped about that. I guess just trying to think, um, bug bounties are so fun. I'm on hacker one. Like I was just, I actually, um, in my uh, cyber one one class, I actually have an entire video on, uh, bug bounties and how to register on hacker one and how to go through it and everything like that. It's not a bug bounty course. I'm not a bug bounty expert in any way, but I do put it, I did put it in my course in the vulnerability management section. All right, everybody's piecing out. I got to get going too. Yeah, I know pierogi screws with scammers, um, but I think I, my understanding based on the question was like IT based call center scammers you can't screw with. Um, the uh, Indian call centers, I, I think maybe because it's outside the United States. I don't know. All right. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you, Alana, for the super chat. Thank you, everybody, for voting on the GIF versus GIF. Thank you. You know, congratulations to all of you. Uh, base case, I was just about to get out of here. Look at this. Base case, two years, squad member, squad member numero uno. And uh, have a great day, base. All right, everybody. I'm out. Holla, holla, holla. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Hopefully you can make it to the 4.30 p.m. with Bo Bullock later today. I'm Jerry, your chat. This has been Jaw Jacking. Until next time, stay secure. If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.